Forgiveness is a powerful word. In fact, it's a powerful thing. We need forgiveness because we all mess up. We all mess up one way or the other. We need forgiveness from God, and we need forgiveness from each other. What exactly is forgiveness? Forgiveness actually means to release the debt. Now, I want you to understand that. Forgiveness means to release the debt. When you forgive someone who's done something to you, you release the debt. If you said, they should, they should apologize to me, forgiveness means I release the debt, and I'm letting it go. They don't have to apologize to me. And some people say that forgiveness is forgetting. Well, there's some things you never forget. And so what happens is forgiveness is releasing the debt. So let, let, we can forgive someone is to release the debt. When someone hurts us or do us wrong, we let them go. When we sin against someone else, we would like for them to forgive us and release the debt. And so when we sin against God... We need forgiveness. And well, I, I want to, I as we look at the Lord's Prayer, he's going to talk about forgiveness in our passage this morning. But let me, let's talk about forgiveness with God. And you may or may not understand this, but you've heard people say that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness of sin. And that's true. But then sometimes people will say, but when you sin as a Christian, you need to confess your sin so you can be forgiven. And then some people say, well, well, that doesn't make sense. I thought I was already forgiven. I want you to understand there's a dual aspect of forgiveness in our relationship with God. First of all, if in our relationship or when, our, when we connect with God, in our relationship with Him, by faith in Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. All sins, past, present, and future. Acts 10.43, forgiveness of sins. Acts 13.38, forgiveness of sins. This is in your relationship with God. So when you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, every sin that you've ever done, past, present, and future, are forgiven. Okay, That's in your relationship, which cannot change your relationship. You're a child of God. He's your heavenly Father. You're born into the family of God. Then, in your fellowship with God, which is as we go through life, sometimes we do wrong. When we do wrong, by confessing, by confession of our sins, we have forgiveness of sins. And this is in the Christian life, our fellowship, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So I want you to understand that the moment you trust in Christ, you have forgiveness of all sin. That's in your relationship. But as we go through Christian life in our experience, sometimes we sin and we need forgiveness of sin. And that's when we confess our sins. And so as we look really this morning at the Lord's Prayer, part of it deals with confession and pardon and forgiveness. He actually says in verse 12 of Matthew 6, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And that deals with confession of sin. So as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see this whole aspect of forgiveness. And, and let me just say this. Let me go back for a second. I just want to put that up there. Uh, the, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see this aspect of forgiveness, which is in Christian life aspect. You remember, the, the Lord's Prayer is for believers. So when, you know, I, I told you all the story of as coaching at Eastside High School, and we'd all get the big pile, and the guy named Preacher, little, he was like in the 10th grade, but he called himself Preacher, so we always let him lead the Lord's Prayer. Well, that was just anybody saying it, and they just said it so fast, it, it didn't really mean anything. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer is five different aspects of prayer that Jesus gave as a pattern. So when we look at this and it talks about if we forgive, forgive our debts, Lord, as we forgive others, we're talking about believers with believers and believers with other people. So let me give you, once again, this was the outline of the Sermon on the Mount, which we've seen before. The first part, we saw that oh, several weeks ago now. The first part is worship. 
and that's to the Father, and we talk about his person, his plan. The second part of the prayer is where we are now, is petition, intercession, and confession. That's four of the five, and then, and then the last one is thanksgiving, of course, and praise. So that's all five aspects of the pattern of prayer. But this morning, we're going to look at petition, intercession, and confession. So we're going to look at 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12, and we have to go through it fairly quickly. But let me remind you, we saw worship. Our, our Father, which are in heaven. We call him Heavenly Father, which is amazing because any Jewish person, and we told you over and over when Jesus said, this is how you pray, our Father, which are in heaven, normal Jewish people didn't think about God as their Father. They wouldn't have said that because his name was too powerful. They would not even say his name. Jesus comes and says, call him Father. In fact, there's some other places where it actually says Abba, which is the word for Daddy. So we call God Daddy which is amazing because we have that kind of relationship with him. He's our heavenly father, we're his child. And so it starts off with worship, our father, which is in heaven. He's the, the heavenly father. Hallowed be thy name, that he's set apart as the holy, righteous one. And then it goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The idea is plan is that one day the kingdom's going to come and be on this earth as it is in heaven. In fact, we'll live in the way that he wants us to live and that kind of thing on the earth. So we begin the prayer by worship. And so sometimes when you pray, maybe the very first thing might be a good thing to do is to worship him and say, Lord, I come to you and I worship you as my God, as my Savior, as you've done everything. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and of course, right then I just said, thank you, Lord, and I'm throwing in the thanks part. And so it's just you can do all kind of things. Well, we saw that. Next, we move, and this is where we're moving today. We're moving to petition, intercession, and confession. Remember, petition is asking for yourself. Intercession is asking for someone else. And, of course, confession has to deal with forgiveness and confessing sin and those kind of things. And if you'll notice, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now that's petition and intercession in verse 11. He puts them both together and he says, give us. You're praying for yourself and you're praying for somebody else. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't think of uh, provisions in the same way that they did. In that day and time, there were no refrigerators or freezers, and if you got up that day to go work, you went and you worked, and at the end of the day, what did they do? They paid you. And usually, uh, either on the way home or your wife or your family person had already, with the money you earned yesterday, had bought provisions. So you didn't have stored up things. You didn't say, hey, what's in the freezer? And, and you didn't say, we don't have to worry. We got enough food for three or four weeks. There wasn't enough food but for a day, basically. And so when he said, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, Lord, take care of our needs. Take care of our needs day in and day out. And, and that's why in the book of James, when he really gets on the wealthy and he says, you're not paying the people at the end of the day like you're supposed to. Because the average worker didn't have uh, a bunch of money saved up and they didn't have any way to store their food. And, and so they just basically daily, they needed it. And so this is... Basically, petition, give us, us, this day, our daily bread, us and others. So this is petition and intercession, and we see that in there. And this Philippians, you know, give us our day. We, we seek our provision from God, not only for ourselves, but for others. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs. He will always provide what we need. Now, we live in a world in which he provides our abundance. He doesn't just provide what we need. I mean, you need about a shirt, right? One shirt, but how many shirts do you have? You need shoes. How many shoes do you have? Well, he said, well, I got two, two pair, one pair. I got six pair. I got 12 pair. How many pairs do we need, right? 
we have much more than we need because he blesses us not only just our needs, he blesses us in abundance. And that's, God always does that. And so what we see in this verse in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And what we need to do is when you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you that you will provide for me everything that I need today to be able to serve you and to live for you and to do what you want me to do. And so we see petition and intercession. And it's really praying not only for whoever's praying this prayer is not only praying for themselves daily bread, but praying for other people as well. And so that's petition and intercession. I love the the, the um, Lord's Prayer simply because you could look at it and see the pattern of all the different types of prayers that we see throughout the Scripture. The next part is the one I want to spend the time on because this is the hardest one. And this is the idea of confession and pardon. And this is verse 12. He says, and forgive us our debts. Basically, we're saying, Lord, uh, forgive me where I sin. And we would say confession. We can tell on ourselves. He's faithful and just to what? To forgive. So he says, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have, past tense, we have forgiven our debtors. So we're saying, we say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me. And one of the basis of him forgiving us is what? That we have forgiven others. Now, we don't normally bring that out. When I do First John 1, 9, I always say, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's all true. But in this particular passage, Jesus says this, if you want to be forgiven in your fellowship with God, you can't be out of fellowship with somebody else. In other words, you can't have not forgiven someone else. And so that means if you've got a grudge against somebody or you're holding something or you haven't let it go or you haven't released them from the debt, then God is saying to you, and I want you to notice, look down at verse 14, same passage. If you forgive others for their transgressions, what does it say? Your heavenly Father will what? Forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Now, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about fellowship and Christian life. And so the bottom line is if he's basically saying, when we come to God and say, oh, Lord, I messed up again, and forgive me, it's assumed that you have forgiven people who've hurt you. That's what he's doing in this passage. Now, we know in 1 John 1, 9, he doesn't even deal with that issue. He just says, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. So this part is dealing with forgiving our debts as we forgive others and the issue of confession and forgiveness. You remember Ephesians 4.32? Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ Jesus has what? Forgiving you. And that's talking about your relationship. He's basically saying, you, you need to forgive others. Why? What has God done for you? He's forgiven you. Think about it. If we held, if God held us to the same standard that we want to hold somebody else, there wouldn't be any forgiveness. Because we say, thank you for forgiving me, but I'm not forgiving them. Do you remember the parable? We're going to see it, and I'm going to throw it out real quickly. And we'll see it in details in the Gospel of Matthew later on. But this guy, the guy is the owner, and a man owned, owed him a lot of money. And he called in his slave and said, and by the way, in the, in the way the money was counted in those days, I mean, Jesus made it up. 
It was like the guy owed him like $10 million, which was impossible. But he said, you owe me $10 million. And the guy said, oh, I can't pay, I can't pay, I can't pay. And he fell on his knees and said, I'm going to, you know. And then he said, okay, I forgive you the $10 million debt. Then that same guy who just was forgiven went out and a guy owed him about $23. And he said, "Uh, you owe me $23. And the guy said, I can't pay you the $23. So he began to choke him and threw him into prison. And so he had just got forgiven $10 million, but he wouldn't forgive somebody $23. And so the other slaves went and told the master and said, you know, you forgave him $10 million, but he wouldn't forgive the other guy $23. And so the guy came back and said, I'm not forgiving you. Come back here. And what God is saying is that if you want forgiveness in your fellowship with the Heavenly Father, make sure you have forgiven people who hurt you or who you think have wronged you in some way. That's what he's talking about here. It makes it really pretty hard. And so I want you to think about this. When we deal with others, we must deal with them as God has dealt with us. And so remember, forgiveness is positionally, that's by faith. We have complete forgiveness of all sin that's in our relationship. But experiential, day by day, we have fellowship with him if we confess our sins. Now, I want to throw this out. Forgiveness means what? What does it mean to release the debt, let it go? So if somebody's hurt you, and, and that doesn't mean you forget it, and that doesn't mean you trust them, and that doesn't mean you put yourself in the same situation to get hurt by them again. Those are total different subjects. Forgiveness is releasing the debt. And when we talk about forgiveness, there's two aspects. Forgiveness is for others and for us. And I'm going to give you, it's a little bit of a surprise today. I'm looking at the time. We've got time to do this. It's for others. First of all, what if somebody comes to you and they say, I blew it. I know I hurt you. I'm sorry. What do you say? I forgive you. I forgive you. Peter came to Jesus and said, what do you what do? You do? You know, when somebody, because back in those days, the Pharisees said, if somebody did you wrong, you forgive them up to three times. Three times they can do you wrong and you forgive them, but after that, you don't forgive them. That's what the Pharisees taught. So Peter said, how how do you deal with a person that hurts us? How often do we forgive them? And Peter said, "Uh, seven times. He was going to be twice the Pharisees. He thought he was in pretty good. Jesus said, no, not seven times. Seventy times seven, which is 490, which means every time. So when somebody asks for forgiveness, what do we do? Oh, I forgive you. You're releasing the debt. But what about if they don't? What if they don't? If they don't come to us, we still forgive. Why? Because it's for us, because we forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And if we don't forgive them, what does that do with our fellowship with God? We're not forgiven in our fellowship with God. So we all know, and we've talked about this because we did a whole study in Grow Group on forgiveness and fellowship and those kind of things. And we said that if you hold a grudge, not only are you out of fellowship with God, but you end up being bitter and it hurts you. It hurts you more than it hurts them. And the bottom line is sometimes the people that hurt you, they don't even care whether they hurt you or not. And there you are fuming and out of fellowship and fussing and getting bitter over somebody who doesn't even care about you. So the best thing to do is when, when somebody does you wrong, if they were to ask for forgiveness or they were to come to you, say, oh, yes. If they don't, still forgive them. Let them go. Let the debt go. You have to let the debt go because if not, we'll be out of fellowship because this puts us in the fellowship with God. Because if not, if we forgive others, God forgives us fellowship. If we don't forgive others, God does not forgive us out of fellowship. Now, let me just say this. I'm not the one that said this. Jesus is the one that said this right here. 
So you could say, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, that's what Jesus said. He said, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Jesus is saying, if you're not in fellowship or you have forgiven people who've hurt you, you I'm not going to forgive you. And he wants us to do that. So when we don't forgive, we're out of fellowship. This is a really hard thing. Because I know some people have been out of fellowship a long time because they, they despise somebody. They're bitter against somebody. They're never going to forgive somebody. They'll say things like, I ain't forgetting and I ain't forgiving. Okay, well, you're the one out of fellowship with God. You know, they may not even care about you. They may not even remember they hurt you. And so this is why it is so important that when people do you wrong, you have to let it go. You have to release the debt because not only is it for them, if they were to say to you, and let's be honest, a lot of people that hurt you don't come and say, I'm so sorry I hurt you. In fact, a lot of people that hurt you say, I didn't hurt you. Well, just grow up. Be a big boy. You know, and you're going to go, what? Okay, so you can't, you, if you're waiting on somebody to come and ask you for forgiveness, you may be waiting the rest of your life. So the best thing to do is to let it go. There's so much there. And so as I said again, if you forgive others, verse 15, 14, if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Listen, I know a guy that's a seminary professor that takes this that if you don't forgive somebody, you don't get to go to heaven. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And this person is in a major position in a major seminary in the United States. And he basically says, this is how you can tell if a person's a Christian. If they forgive somebody, they're a Christian. If they don't forgive somebody, they're not a Christian. Uh, once again, that's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. So I just want you to understand, this has nothing to do with your salvation. This has to do with your fellowship. Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone, and you're saved forever, and you have forgiveness of sins forever. But in your fellowship, not only with God and with others, you've got to deal with these sort of things. Now, here's the, the one point we've got, and we've got just a few minutes to talk about this. That what do we do? What do we do? with these people that hurt us, and they don't even say they hurt us. In fact, if we were to even approach them, as one of the passages in Matthew says, if your brother has done you wrong, go to them one-on-one. What if you went to them one-on-one and say, I just don't know if you, you probably don't realize this, but you really hurt me, and they go, I don't care. I don't think I hurt you. I just think you're too sensitive. So what, what do you do with these people? And we already know that you've got to do what? Forgive them. You've got to let it go. But... What we want to do is what? Get, huh? Get them back, right? What did you say? Pray for them? No. no. <laughs> I don't want to pray for them, but I know I should. But, right? Let's be honest. Somebody hurts you. you want, does the first thing you want to do is pray for them? Maybe you're further down the road than I am, but my first thought is, let's see, how can I, can I let the air of their tires without anybody seeing me? No, I'm just me. But the bottom line is, what do you do? What do you do when somebody hurts you? And even if you go to them or they never come to you, we already know that for you is to let it go so you can be in fellowship with God and so you won't become bitter. But what about these people? Some, I've had people say to me, well, that's not fair because these people do you wrong and they get away with it. But do they get away with it? They don't get away with it. Let me tell you this. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21 says, do not repay Evil with evil. If somebody does you wrong, do not do their wrong. He actually says, repay evil with what? With good. In fact, if somebody does you wrong, you're supposed to try to do good to them. Now, that's awfully hard too, but that's what he says to do. And then he says, don't worry about it. 
Do not seek revenge. Vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord will not, He will deal with people who do wrong. It's not your job to get them back. God will deal with people who do wrong things. Leave vengeance to the Lord. Let God deal with them. Vengeance belongs to God. These are powerful truths, and they're really hard. Yes? Of course it is. Her, her point is, is it okay to stay away from these people? Yes. Listen, you don't put yourself in a situation where they'll continue to hurt you. There are times when you say, uh, I love that person. I don't like that person. I'm going to love them because God said, love, love, love the Lord and love my neighbor and love others as he's loved me. I'm going to love them. That doesn't mean I put myself in a situation where they hurt me. That doesn't mean I, they, I put myself in a situation where they continue to do something that's going to be detrimental to me or my family. And that's okay. You say, you know, be warm and be filled, and you don't do your thing, and I'll try to do my thing, and just we don't have to be. It's okay. We don't have to be friends with everybody. In fact, you can be friends with everybody. You can only be friends with about 20-something people at the most in your whole sphere of influence. You can only be close with a few people. You can't be close. People say, church gets too big. You can't know everybody. You can't know everybody anyway. You can't. You can't. Your sphere of influence is only about 20 people that you can really know. Isn't that right, Susie? And all the psychology stuff you had, that's what it boils down to. It's about 20 people. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and so you can't get close relationships with a whole lot of people anyway. And sometimes when people hurt you, the, the, maybe the very best thing to do is to love them, but you don't have to put yourself in that situation. Does that sound okay to you all? I mean, think about it. Yeah, you know, I know that the real spiritual thing is, is go back to them and love them so much they'll love you, but sometimes people are never going to love you, let me just tell you. I mean, you're pretty unlovable. Let me just, no, I'm just kidding. But the truth is we're all unlovable in some areas, and we're very lovable in some and there's some people who will love you to the day you die, and there are some people who will not want to be with you at all in any way, shape, or form. Best thing to do is build relationships with people that love you. And uh, so let vengeance belongs to the Lord. So what are we saying? God provides our daily needs. When we seek forgiveness, we seek forgiveness as we have forgiven others and leave the vengeance to the Lord. So let me give you some applications. So let's think about this. Let's trust God to meet our needs. And I think all of us, and you know, we, we live in a world, <clears throat> I was talking to, I can't even remember where I was. Oh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was in Dallas for the board meeting for the GES, and I was talking to a guy, and he, he lives in California, and he says one of the issues that he sees, and I saw it when I lived in Dallas, is that people are just continually saying, I've got to have this car, I've got to have this house, I've got to have this bigger car, I've got to have this bigger house, I've got to have these right clothes. People are trying to get their identity based on what they have. Listen, y'all, it doesn't matter. You can have um, the fastest, prettiest, most expensive car in the world, and that doesn't mean anything. It's just going to tear up eventually. What you want to do is invest in two things that never go away, the Word of God and people. If you're going to invest your life, invest it in knowing the Bible and loving people. And uh, all the rest of that stuff's going to be burned up anyway. And you're not trying to impress anybody. As Dave Ramsey says, you drive a car to try to impress somebody that you don't even know. And uh, so we're not trying to impress anybody except with our love for one another. 
Because Jesus said, they'll know you belong to me by your love one for another. So let's trust God to provide our needs. Philippians 4.19, he will supply all our needs. And we just don't need everything. We just don't. And, and there may come a point, and of course, the older you get, the more you realize that you don't need most of the stuff you have. Am I right? Right? And, and what happens when you start getting older? You start what? Down, you know, I'm going to, yeah, I don't need this. You hope you move so that you can leave some of that stuff behind and move to another place. So bottom line, let's trust God to supply our needs. Second is let's forgive others as God has forgiven us. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So what do we do? We confess. We forgive. God forgives us. So we want to be in fellowship. Remember, this has nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's not based on our faithfulness or goodness or anything. Salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. This is talking about our Christian lives. And the, the Sermon on the Mount is not for unbelievers. It's for believers. Because how did we start the prayer off? Our Father which are in heaven. Unbeliever can't call God Father. So this is for believers.